power of the anointed. That's what I want to share with you this morning. It kind of confirmed to me, or was confirmed, we were talking about the power of tongue this morning. Life and death. The power of the anointed. Okay. And um, I'm sure you still know what the anointing is. Amen. You, you shall still remember what the anointing is. All right. The anointing is your what? Your assignment, your duty, your commission by God. We know that from Luke chapter 4, 17 to 18. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me too. He has already been anointed before the Spirit came. So the Spirit came to enable him do what the anointed is all about. Is that all right? Then I'm going to give you a simple illustration of an anointed man and how to use your anointing. If you know that you are anointed, then you should be able to function at the capacity of which you are anointed. Life will respond to you as you respond to the anointing on your life. Amen? Knowing what you are anointed for is a very first key towards success in life. You may struggle severally if care is not taken once you are not functioning under your anointing. Hallelujah. You must find that place. And don't you forget, I'm not talking about men preaching the Bible. It's not, I've not anything to do with the man carrying the Bible. I want to make you see this morning, anointing is not exclusive of a Bible preaching person. It is simply reason why you are born. It is simply God's commission for your life. You didn't just come here to populate the census figure of the country. You came here with the purpose, with the reason God had you in mind before you came in here. Every son is meant to represent his father, we have just been told. Hallelujah. Okay, so understand that. The anointing is your life, the anointing is your commission, the anointing is a mandate of God for your life. Before ever you came in here as a human being, there was something God wants you to accomplish for him on the face of the earth. Am I talking to somebody here? Hallelujah. So turn with me now to the book of Isaiah again. I want to give you this simple illustration. Uh, I know you know this, but just follow me this morning so that you can understand one or two things. About the anointing again, and how that the man who is anointed, there are some qualities and attributes that he carries that enable him to function and bring things his way. Isaiah 45, verse 1. The Bible said, Thus said the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I've hold him to subdue nations before him, and I will lose the loins of kings to open before him the two leaf gates. And the gate shall not be shut. Amen. I've always said this and you should know. King Cyrus was not a Jewish person. King Cyrus was a king of Persia. Is that alright? After Babylon, you had Persia. After Persia, you had Greece. After Greece, you had Rome. King Cyrus was the king of Persia. Now watch this. Before this time, the children of Israel were all in captivity. Is that all right? Are you listening to me? And I also want to talk to you, young men, and every one of you here, there is a need for you to put yourself right. Educationally, whatever way you are supposed to be trained. Education is not only in book, 
Education is the development of your mind. And I want you to understand that so that you can assess situation and be of help. It's just like the lecture I was speaking to, the, to, to Sister Mary and said, you should be my counselor. You ought to be functioning anywhere you find yourself as a representative of God to the rest of the nations, to the rest of the people. Are you there with me? And if you watch the issue of Daniel, it was because she was intelligent, well prepared, cute, skilled, and fast in learning. And the king said, I would like to have such people to come serve me. You see, and Daniel transited from Babylon, that's Nebuchadnezzar, down to the king of Persia, Cyrus. Daniel said, Cyrus, are you still there with me? All right, I want you to understand this. So Cyrus was not a believer. Therefore, you must understand anointing is not the issue of believers. Amen? Are you still there? Uh, some of you have always been wondering, we have never been having anointing service here. We never had one. But now this anointing service you are in now. Are you there? Come on. Anointing service is not about oil. Anointing service is a discovery of what we are anointed for. It's not about oil. No, whether crude oil, olive or red oil, is, that, is, that is not the anointing. It's about the discovery of who you are. So when you begin to hear this and suddenly they begin to pop up in your spirit, God begins to make you see exactly who you are, then you are entering into what we call anointing service. Okay, now, so like I said, this man was not a Jewish person. And he was not anointed in any service that God ordained or consecrated or that was called by the rabbis or the Pharisees. Are we still together? But God said he is my anointed. Okay, let's find out what the anointing is. Just follow me. Go back to Isaiah 44. Go back to Isaiah 44 and I will read two verses, 27 and 28. Are you there? The scripture says, God is speaking. That seal to the deep be dry, and I will dry up the rivers. That seal of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure. Pleasure is the same thing as will. Are you there? He shall perform all my pleasure. By implication, he shall perform all my will. Even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built, and to the temple, the foundation shall be laid. Hallelujah. God said to Cyrus, are you getting this? Cyrus is now the anointed of the Lord. And he said, I said this to my shepherd. We say shepherd. Shepherd is a pastor. Oh my God. <laughs> now you are beginning to see something. Who is a shepherd? Shepherd means what? A pastor. But here was a man who is not a Jewish person, who is just a king in Pesha. And God is saying, that king in Pesha is my pastor. And then this my pastor is going to do my will. Oh my God. He's going to do my pleasure. He will my way, please, if you will. But he was not a believer. He was not a Jew. So what was the anointing? He was going to do the will of God. And I'm going to show you what the will of God was. Which I've never shown this church before. Scripturally, I'm going to show you. Then I'm going to make you see when you are in the will of God, what you are supposed to do to get this done. Hallelujah. Are we still there? Very short message I believe I'm going to give to you. Okay. Go to 2 Chronicles. 
He is going to do my pleasure. He's going to do my will. He's my pastor. <laughs> that means we're going to pass out the people of God. So, 2 Chronicles 36. Uh, let's look at verse 22. Let's look at verse 22 down to 23. And then we'll keep on reading. 22, 23 will be okay. I think that will be alright. Are you there? 2 Chronicles 36 verse 22. Hear this. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now have you found out who the person is now? The anointed of the Lord was the king of Persia. Is that alright? Imagine, like I said before, an unbeliever being a pastor. Not just being a pastor, being an anointed one. Glory to God. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah. I will not have time to refer you to that. Might be accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made him, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Hallelujah. Thus said king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth had the Lord God of heaven given me. And he had charged me to do what? To build him and house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you? Of all his people, the Lord, his God, be with him. And let him go up. Hallelujah. Can you, can you get that? God put it in the heart of King Cyrus. That is why he was a pastor for God. That is why I have to do the will of What was the pleasure of God? Bringing back the captivities. All the children of Israel that were in slavery, they were now to be brought back home. Are you getting that? And the assignment for him to bring them back home is the anointing. Is it simple? Oh, come on. <laughs> Just go get the people back. Now, this is where the power of the anointed one is. He doesn't have to cry to do this. He has to make one thing, a decree. Every anointed man walk by decrees. That is just all I want to make you see. So the year you are stepping to is a year where you make decrees. Because you know who you are. You know what God sent you here to do. You know the business you are doing is God-given business. All you need to do is to make decrees. No tears is not needed. <laughs> Cyrus doesn't have to cry because he's an anointed one. You know why it is so easy for him? Because God was behind him. Is that okay? God stirred his heart up to make this decree. And when he makes this decree, I'm going to read something again for you. But just follow it. But are you getting this so far? Because he was anointed. Because he was going to do the pleasure of God. He doesn't have to labor to do that. Every anointed man of God has a commission from heaven to make decrees. And every decree they make must come to be. Glory to God. So even in your business, knowing that this is what God has given to you, everything you are working with will respond to what you say. All the people you are working with will respond to what you say. You are not the one saying it. You are operating on the unction. Heaven has backed you already. There is a mandate on your life to speak words. That is why your words must not be callous. You can also destroy your business like we read before. You can destroy your business by your voice or your words or you can make your business move forward by your words. 
Because everything you say will be responded to. Why? Because you are anointed. Are you getting what I'm talking about now? Haven't you had people? Are you joking with me? Don't you know I'm an anointed man of God? You know that what if I say something, it will happen. Am I right? Now that you know that every one of you is anointed, whatever you say does what? Happens. So if you speak negatively to your family, to your business, to your children, expect it. Because you are anointed. That's the power of the tongue. Sarah doesn't have to cry. He only simply have to make what? A decree. Make a proclamation and say, everyone, get up. Let's go and build. And there was a response. Now I'm going to show you something. When you come into the, to the place where you are functioning in the anointing that God has already brought you into, people will hear you. People will listen to you. It doesn't have to be within your environment alone. It has to be outside of your environment. Glory to God. It's a proclamation. I see every proclamation must be distinct. First Corinthians 14. Remember that? It said if there is a sound. It said every instrument in the world has a unique sound. How many of you remember that? Say, so therefore, if I make on a certain sound, who can prepare for war? That means your anointing has a unique sound. Your calling has a unique sound. Your proclamation is based on your calling. Therefore, when your sound comes out, people must hear. It's your season for proclamation. To say what God has dropped in your heart. The commission will speak for you. Resources will come to you because you are not just speaking void words. Every word you speak must be accomplished. It was not returned to you void. Why? Because you are speaking under unction. That's why it's not callous prayer this season. Oh, amen. It's a time for decrease, a time for simple statement that things will begin to happen. Am I talking to someone here? But did you like this? <laughs> and he had charged me. I like that. He has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem. He, God, have charged me. That is the assignment. And God now said, he said, God charged me. He didn't say God anointed me. God charged me. Because he doesn't understand that. But God said, I anointed him. Did you get the difference there? Are you seeing what I'm saying? To you, it's a commission. To God, it's an anointing. God have charged me to build him a house. And this is where some of you need to get your ears up. You need your antennas to begin to walk. Am I talking to someone here? Because here was a foreign king who knew nothing about what you call Jewish people, but to hear God. I have always asked people, sometimes they say, hearing God. How did Abraham hear God? He was serving idols with his father. <laughs> You have to get your antennas up. I'm saying this again. You must put your frequency, tune your spirit to be able to get this, the frequency of the vibration of God's mind and thought for your life. Here was a foreigner. Could hear God. God have charged me. Who spoke to him? There was no prophet. <laughs> You're only looking for prophet to confirm some things in your life. I have no problem with that. But who spoke to Jeremiah? I mean, Jeremiah made a prophecy. The people were coming back. Cyrus was not there. Neither did Jeremiah go to Cyrus to tell him this is what God said you should do. 
How did Cyrus get to know? And the Bible says, so that the words of Jeremiah will be fulfilled. Oh my God, that tells me something. Every prophecy God has released somewhere in the universe, somebody is going to walk into it. You may not be there when the prophecy was made. Who knows? God wants to do some work on the face of the earth. And the prophecy is on the air. And I'm going to tell you today that if you position yourself, you may not know, but God will allow the prophecy to land upon your life and you begin to fulfill what God has said somewhere in the universe. When God said a virgin shall give birth, Mary was not yet born. <laughs> but the prophecy landed on Mary. Am I right? Something is going to land upon your life. Because God is still speaking. Am I talking to someone? God is still speaking all over the world. You may not be there. Prophets are prophesying all over the world. It could be in the U.S. Wherever the prophet is going on from. Once you position yourself as God ordained, something will land upon your life that you least expected. You'll be the one to perform that which God has spoken. Jeremiah spoke. Cyrus performed. Can you get that? Hallelujah. Okay. Now, let's get down to something very interesting to me anyway. The book of Ezra. Some of you get into trouble now because Ezra is it's an obscure book within the books. Ezra. The book of Ezra, chapter 1. Praise the Lord. Are we there in Ezra? Chapter 1. And I would like us to read this because to me it's very interesting. Beautiful passage. Stead my spirit. My goodness. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and put it also in writing, saying, Hallelujah. The first year, not the second year. The first year. Now after five years. The first year. <laughs> there is a beginning for you. Hallelujah. Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord of heaven, hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. Hallelujah. I'm particularly interested in this. Because there is something I would like you to see now. Just a minute here. Praise the Lord. Okay, Spirit of the Lord, raise him up. Let me see here. Uh, what verse am I right? Verse 2? Okay, verse 2. Good. Thus said King of Pesha, the Lord God of heaven, hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Amen. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him. And let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah. And build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. And I like this kind of description. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. I'm not in Jerusalem. I'm in Persia. But go do the work there. Did you get that? Okay. He knew the direction. He knew the very place. The God who is in Jerusalem. The God is not here. But he has given me an assignment. Now, you see, there is something I want you to see. The man who is on anointing is already a man promoted to a certain sphere of authority and dominion. This man is speaking not in Jerusalem, but speaking to even those in Jerusalem to do something which he himself wants them to do. 
This is a man who understands what authority is. It's just like the Jairus or the centurion, remember? Who was not even a Jewish man but was under authority to Caesar. How many of you remember that? And here was the daughter getting sick and he asked Jesus to come. He was telling Jesus to come and he said, don't you bother to come. Just speak a word and my servant shall be healed. Remember that? Come on. And that is a man under authority. If people really understand what God's kingdom is, it's so simple. We are representing heaven. We are under authority. So when we speak, heaven respond. What the man was saying is, anything Caesar says, I do here in Jerusalem. Because I'm under Roman government. Even so I know Jesus. You are under heaven. Anything you say, will be responded to because you are under the authority of heaven. Are you getting this picture? And so you must understand this is also why your words must be proper. Because if you speak on behalf of heaven, heaven will respond on your behalf. Therefore, a man under authority must mind the words that he uses. And must understand that he's not speaking just for himself. He should be speaking on behalf of heaven. That is just what kingdom of God is all about. Is that okay? So this man said, is the God in Jerusalem? I'm here in Pesha. I'm speaking. Let everybody go and do what he's supposed to do. Verse number four. And whoever remained in any place where he sojourned, or the misogyn, either men are taken to captivity. Let the men of his place help him with what? Ah, come on, I want you to begin to follow me now. This is what comes to you when you're under your assignment. Hallelujah. Because you need these things to accomplish your purpose. Come on here. Am I talking to somebody? This is why I came to Israel. Because you see, it's like we're repeating what we said in the book of Second Chronicles. But I'm trying to make you see what have to come to the book of Ezra. Because if you go back to Isaiah 45 verse 13, you're going to find that he said, I'm going to give you the treasures of darkness. These are the treasures of darkness. The treasures of darkness are not the power of witches and wizard. It has to do with money. You need money to do anything that you need to do on the face of the earth. Am I still there with you? Are you there? We just came back from Kenya. We took flight. That was money. Am I right? And one or two things we need to buy. That was money. There is no assignment God gives you on the face of the earth that money does not come in. No joke about that. For us to accomplish everything God has given to us on the face of the earth, money is involved. Praise the living God. Are you still there? Look at that. Let the man of his place help him. You know what? What he's saying is, don't let anybody come into this assignment to join me to do it with empty hands. If there is anybody who doesn't have, you who have, help him out. Let him be a part and a contributor. Oh, come on. Are you getting anything here? <laughs> Look at it. And whosoever remained in any place where he sojourned, maybe because he's a slave, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with base, beside free will offering for the house of God. That is in Jerusalem. Are you getting that? 
In other words, let everybody be a partaker. Are you still there with me? We are building now. And I thank God everybody is partaking. And this is exactly what Ezra is saying. Don't let anybody, no matter the state of that individual, no matter the, the level of that individual, let them contribute towards the building project. Whether small or big, whether little children, let them contribute. What is it? Is anybody who is sojourning, is a slave somewhere? Those of you around him, give him something. Give him gold. Give him silver. Give him something to contribute towards the project. That was the decree. Now all this contribution, they are coming to the project, but they are actually coming to the hands of who? Of King Cyrus. Why? In order to build. Are you see that? Now look at verse 5. There rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, with all them whose spirit of God has raised, to go up to build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all they that were about them strengthened their hands, hallelujah, with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, with beasts, and with precious things, beside all that was willing offered. Also Cyrus the king brought forth the vessels of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had brought forth out of Jerusalem, and had put them in the house of his gods. Oh, can I say something here? Listen to me. When you step into this process of decree, everything stolen from you shall be restored. You do get that? When Nebuchadnezzar captured the people, he took all the vessels of gold, all the vessels of silver that were in the temple and took them to Babylon. Remember that? Now here was a decree from the anointed one of God. And what is happening here? Restoration of all that is stolen from you. Everything an enemy has taken from you this year shall be restored. Whichever way, in fact, the Bible tells me when you catch a thief, anyone that misappropriates restitution should be sevenfold. Am I right? Come on, am I talking to somebody here? It is sevenfold. That is restitution. Nebuchadnezzar took everything when King Cyrus came and God anointed him. What is happening here? Everything he took. And I keep on reminding you to you. Everything he took was restored, was brought back to Jerusalem. Not just that. Everything he took was still intact. There is none of your money that is missing. Everything you think the devil have done to you is only in store. It's going to be returning back to you fourfold, a hundredfold in the name of Jesus Christ. You will never be a loser for being God's anointed position. Bring back all the vessels. All the gold, all the money. Praise the living God. I remember this uh, brother, Pastor Tony, was driving a small car and some people came, abducted him with the car, released him, went away with the car. And because that happened, somebody heard about it. They said, what happened? I'm told you miss your car. I said, yes. Showed him a picture. Will you like this car? Powerful Jeep V8. Hmm? And he said, I would like to drive that. I'm shipping it to you because he stole that one. That is the way God works. You miss one, you get a bigger one. Am I talking to somebody here? Glory to God. Hallelujah. There's a man walking in the anointing that God has positioned them. So I'm told he stole your car. He says, the small one. He said, okay, look at this photograph. Do you like this one? 
And he spoke to me and said, Dad, they are shipping this thing. Before the car arrived there, he showed me the photograph on the internet. He said, this is the car they are shipping to me. Beautiful, powerful car. V8. Hmm? Hey, you're looking cool. All your monies are coming back. Hallelujah! There is nothing. The devil does not have power to steal your money and squander it. I'm just being honest with you. If he dare steal it, he's banking it. Because the bookings that took all these things will put them in a storehouse. Whether it was his God, whether it was treasure, whatever. They were all there awaiting their return to Jerusalem because the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to the Lord. And we being God's children, we are the inheritors of that who belongs to the Lord. Am I talking to somebody? That is why I can't always believe that wherever in this world anybody God stared their heart, they can pay money into my account because the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to the Lord. We're not limited. God is going to help us. We're coming to a place where our account will be everywhere. Praise God. Why? We are walking in that which he called us. We are just being patient following. Are you still there with me? Everything, everything that Nebuchadnezzar stole from Jerusalem, the decree brought them back. It's about time you open your mouth and make decrees of that which you lost because you are functioning under the anointing that God has called you into. You are not a misfit in the world. You know why you are born. You know why you are created. You know where you are quit for. Speak for the world and that which is meeting shall be restored. Remember what we're talking about, the power of the anointed. Where does it come from? It comes from decrees. It comes from spoken words. Am I talking to somebody here? You don't beg to get returned those things that are missing. You don't beg anybody for it. You don't cry for it. God is not interested in your tears. I've already been telling you this. Doesn't show how committed you are in terms of prayer. Holy Spirit can make you cry for joy. But not for sorrow. Because the blessings of the Lord, he adds no sorrow. Am I talking to someone here? Hallelujah. Okay, look at verse 8. Even those did King Cyrus of Pesha bring forth by the hand of Metradi the treasurer and number them unto Shezbaza, the prince of Judah. And this is the number of them, 30 charges of gold, a thousand charges of silver, nine and twenty knives, Oh, come on. All properties. 30 bosoms of gold, silver bosoms of a silver sword forth, 110, and other vessels, 8,000. All the vessels of gold and of silver were 5,400. All these, these shepherds are bring up with them of the captivity that were brought up from Babylon unto Jerusalem. Now, if you look at that word from the message translation, verse 11 says, Although there were 5,400 gold and silver articles that Shivada took with him when he brought the exiles back from Babylon to Jerusalem. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Now turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse number 4. Ecclesiastes 8 verse number 4. Make decrees. Make proclamations. Because you are in a position to do so. And heaven is going to back whatever thing you say. Hallelujah. Just in case you don't understand, remember this. Some of you are confused about I keep thinking I'm not a pastor. Get those thoughts out of your mind because you are a man of God with anointing. Eh? Hey, are you there with me? <laughs> How many of you remember? I was sharing this with 
the brethren in Kenya and those of us in the business, you need to understand that Exodus chapter 4 says something. You don't need to turn over there. But you remember, Moses was a shepherd guy. Is that not true? All right. And when he wanted to go and deliver the people, he was afraid he can't go. They would not believe him and all those kind of stuff. And God said, what is in your hand? He says, it's a, it's a, it's a rod. He says, throw it down, throw it down. Became a snake. Say, pick it up, pick it up. Became a rod. Now you go. Now you remember that all the miracles that Moses performed in Egypt were performed by that rod. How many of you understand that? What was the rod meant for? The rod was the business of Moses. He was a shepherd man. The same rod that was used in leading sheep was what he used in delivering the people. Your business ought to deliver people. Do you understand that? The power of your life is resting on your business. Why am I saying this? I'll be sharing with the business people as time comes. You understand some things. Now they want to cross the Red Sea. Remember that? Moses saw the Red Sea. He had nothing. He fell on the flame. I'm on his face. I was crying. What did God tell him? Get up. Don't cry. What's in your hand? He says, stretch your rod. And let the sea part. The same shepherd rod he was using leading sheep was what better the Red Sea. All troubles in your life, you can part by the anointing in your life. Are you getting what I'm talking about? The same rod is what he's imparting the recipe. He was crying. But what would open the recipe was in his hand. In other words, the anointing to get you to the other side is in your life. <laughs> Ecclesiastes number 8. Are you there? Look at verse 4. Praise the Lord. Where the word of a king is, Hallelujah! And who may say unto him, what doest thou? In other words, you don't question a king when he makes a decree. Are you still there with me? And just in case you don't know, in the book of Luke chapter 12 verse 32, Jesus made a statement very sharp. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's pleasure to give you what? The kingdom. So you are a king. And where the word of a king is, there is what? Power. So that's why I said the power of the anointed one. In your business, you are a king there. Make decrees. Am I still talking to someone here? In your family, you are a king there. Make decrees. Where the, the, the word of a king is power. Wherever, whatever it is, it says come to be. There is, see, it's not shouting. It's not noise making. It is, see how Jesus puts it. The words that I speak unto you. They are spirit and they are life. Simple. Why? Because he had a kingdom. <laughs> are you following that? Because he had a kingdom. And where the word of a king is, there is what? Power. So, he could simply speak to the devil. Go. The devil goes. He could talk to the wind. Seize. The wind seizes. Why? Because he was a king. And wherever the word of a king is, there is power. Let me show you one simple illustration once again. So that you need to all come to sometimes you look at the kings. Well, because we have bastardized our kings. How many of you know the queen, the queen of England doesn't shake your hands without gloves? How many of you know that? It, uh, thank you. He must wear gloves to shake because he is it's royal. It's royal. He can't contaminate his hand. Can you imagine that? Oh, maybe you don't know. Have you seen him walking with hand gloves? Is he is she a nurse? 
Doesn't mean it. You understand that? You can't shake your hand because it's royal majesty. So how can you shake your hand? So you have to wear gloves to shake your hand. Can you imagine that? Go and look for his, her photograph. And you see that there are always gloves in her hand when she's coming out. Because other people are common people. You contaminate. Another Pharisee. Can <laughs> Pharisee man will shake your hand and go and wash at home? That's royalty. Are you following what I'm talking about? You need to understand some of these things. Now you see the level of dignity and honor and respect that an earthly king is carrying. You must understand that she, she's a queen and she has her own decrees that she can make different from the issue of parliament. I'm sure you understand that. God is telling you here it is his pleasure to give you the kingdom. You need to begin to wear some gloves, man. Serious. <laughs> Am I talking to somebody? In other words, you can handle everything. You have some royalty bestowed on you. All you need to get things to work is to speak. Not cry. Speak. Not complain. Speak. Am I talking to somebody here? Not get angry. Speak. For wherever the word of the king is, there is power. That is your authority. Because you are anointed. Are you still there with me? Praise the living God. Let me give you one simple illustration and I'll close here. You know, the book of Luke chapter 2, you have the story of Augustus Caesar. Before then, God has prophesied that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem, Judah. Prophet said that. Are you still there? When Augustus Caesar came, when Mary was pregnant, the king made a decree. Let everybody go to his own village to be taxed. Go to your village and pay tax and be counted there. Are you still there? Mary being and Joseph being from Jude, better hair wherever, now carried Mary and then they begin to go there. By the time they get to the place to pay the tax and do whatever they were supposed to do, Jesus was born. The prophecy of the prophet was fulfilled through the king. Are you sitting there with me? I want you to understand. I was sharing this with them in, 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 in Kenya. They were just looking at me because listen to me. That's what the Bible says. If not for the Father, our water than all these kings in our community, they stand a the place in the hands of God. How many of you understand that God is not a democrat? God is a king. So the best rulership should be kingship and not democracy. That's why I say, honor all those that are in authority. Pray for them. For there is no power that be except that which is ordained of God. Romans 13. Read it. Do you understand that? God uses the king to accomplish his work. Now, listen. Let all the prophets in Israel shout as long as they can that Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. Nobody will move. Are you getting this? Nobody will shift one bit. They are prophets. Prophets are in your temple. But when the king made a decree, everybody responded, including the prophets. And see, where the words of the king is, there is what power. 
So if not for King Caesar or Augustus Caesar that was representing Rome that made the decree that everybody should go to his village, Jesus would not have been born in Bethlehem. Maybe he'll have been born in Nigeria. How you, how you get what I'm talking about now? Come on. Is anybody following this? Where the words of the king is, there is power. That's what I'm telling you. And God said it is your God's good pleasure to give you what? The kingdom. That means if the kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, you have a place. And all you need to get things done is to what? Make decrees. Kings rule by decrees. They don't look by begging. They rule by decrees. They don't rule by constitution. They Am I talking to somebody here? They rule by decrees. They don't call for parliament. They rule by decrees. Make decrees in your home. Make decrees in your businesses. And let heaven respond to whatever you say. 